Well, we come again this evening to our Bible study and uh, getting toward the end of the book of James and discovering that he once again returns to the topic of suffering. You will remember right at the beginning in chapter 1, the book was addressed uh, to those of the dispersion. And there may have been, not may, there will have been those who had been persecuted and therefore part of those who had to scatter uh, away from those who were persecuting them to find a place of safety. So they, they were certainly were people who were exposed and subject to, to suffering. So James comes back to a subject. It's a subject close to our own hearts. And I do trust that this evening uh, would be of great value to you as well. And so as we turn, Lord, to this passage, we do pray that you would help us in the midst of our own circumstances, whatever they may be, uh, each person in a different life circumstance, facing different challenges and issues, uh, varying, Lord, uh, from person to person. You know us all. And Lord, thank you for your word tonight and pray that your Holy Spirit would apply this word in the midst of our circumstances, not merely head knowledge. Lord, we pray that, yes, we would know the truth and, and, and treasure the truth in our minds, but also in our hearts as your Holy Spirit ministers to us and massages that word into our hearts as well. And so do guide us, direct us, pray for my own thoughts and uh, words that they would be of great help. And led by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so we're going to turn and let me read the passage. James starts in chapter 5 and we're going to take it up from verse 7 where he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Uh, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. Until he receives the early and late rains, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Is it, at ha- it is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So just so far... Uh, the reading of, of, of the word, we are going to now turn to the study. I've entitled the study, A Pathway uh, Through Suffering. And right at the outset, I certainly would want to say, I don't speak this evening with glibness or lightly. Uh, suffering is real. Uh, we feel it. it. It's hard. But at the same time, I do want to encourage you as I uh, intend to encourage myself again going through this passage tonight that God's word is indeed powerful. God's word is truth. And uh, all scripture is God-breathed and useful. And the particular usefulness tonight is that I trust of encouragement to your own heart as well. So we're going to begin. And and I thought I'd introduce the topic by just showing something of the the broad scope of, of suffering. I remember some years ago when my eldest son was at high school, uh, something happened that uh, really shook the boys, not only of that particular grade, but of, of the entire school. It happened toward the end of a rugby practice where one of my son's classmates was called onto the rugby field right at the other, at the end of the practice to join the other players in uh, some last minute practice before uh, all the boys were released to go home. 
Well, minutes later, that particular boy that was called onto the field was down on the ground with his neck broken in three places. Spinal cord was severed. It was, it was tragic. It was horrible. Uh, the young man survived uh, and, and yet suffered as a quadriplegic uh, for uh, time thereafter. Well, another story reminded me of another tragedy when I was a younger pastor at Scottsville Baptist Church. And uh, a young man was a very good basketball player. And he was playing basketball and tall, strong, uh, something happened. He, he stretched, he jumped and came down and fell and broke his neck and died. And uh, again, shaking the young people, shocking them, uh, the reality that uh, this young man's life had suddenly just been taken from him. So I tell you these stories because I'm trying to show you that suffering is not reserved just for the elderly. There's a broad scope of suffering amongst all people of all ages, of all cultures. Uh, any one of us can be subject to a particular type of suffering. And even if we look at our own church, we can, we can see that suffering is a present reality in uh, the lives of, of many people. Uh, death, we, we have seen in the context of our church family, is not just for the old. Uh, people of all ages die and do die. There are other types of suffering. Uh, some families have children that are, are disabled or have disabilities. Uh, some people are at their wit's end. They can't find a job. Uh, some people are going through relational difficulties in the context of marriage and parenting. Uh, some face unfair treatment in the workplace. I just spoke to a man on Sunday struggling to get his, his daughter into a school. And, and, and so there are these challenges, there are hardships, there are suffering that people face. Uh, some of the suffering directly related to being a believer and other suffering just in the course of this world that is broken. And so we, we need to see, we need to understand that affliction, hardship, difficulty, suffering is, is a present reality. And so we do need to ask the question and, and ask that question if you're not suffering because you may face some kind of difficulty or if you are going or have just gone through a particular uh, disappointment or uh, unexpected reality in, in your life, the question needs to be asked, is there a way to cope through times of hardship and suffering? Now, the way James tackles, and, and this is not the only passage. There are many other passages also in the Bible. But the way James tackles this matter of suffering is to, to broaden the understanding, to broaden the scope of our thinking uh, beyond just the pain of the present. And again, I want to say this is not an easy thing. The last thing I want to do today is to, to rattle off some uh, Christian cliches and hope that that's going to put some kind of band-aid on your particular pain. No, 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 that's not the intention. My, my belief is that the Word of God is indeed, as I said earlier on, uh, given to us from God and, and is useful in the course of our lives. He has given us everything we need for life 
and for godliness. And, and so there is a sense in which we need to come to a topic like this, every topic, with faith and, and trusting God and, and the work of His Spirit um, in us. It's not an easy thing. And I know in my own life, uh, the smallest thing can trouble me and create anxiety and, and cause all sorts of distress. And, and so when there are bigger things, how much more uh, we understand the reality of the pain. Well, what does he do? James, uh, first of all, says in the context of your suffering, think about the future. Uh, don't only dwell in the present. So I was thinking of illustrations of different things where we anticipate something which is ahead of us. And uh, I immediately started thinking of long running road races or road races, something like the Comrades Marathon or uh, 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 Omdi Dam 50 kilometer run. It's a difficult thing to run the Comrades Marathon for any one of us ordinary people. Some people like Bruce Fordyce can run it, did run it, and perhaps didn't feel the same kind of pain. But I remember the pain. Uh, Harrison Flats walking uh, in agony. And uh, the road doesn't seem to come to an end. And, and everybody seems to be passing me. And, and my body's screaming at me. And my mind is, is, is in turmoil thinking, what on earth am I doing? And, and, and so what is it? What is it that gets the runner to continue? To not to, to, to get on to the, uh, the bailer's bus and persevere. And, and, and the reality is the end. Entering the stadium, uh, crossing the finishing line, I remember the emotion that swept across my body, uh, the delight and, and the adrenaline that, that pumps into one's system. But the anticipation of that, the anticipation of finally getting to a place where, where the body can rest and, and a cold and, and cool and, and refreshing shower can be taken and a, and a sumptuous meal can be enjoyed. And so the anticipation is part of, of, of the solution in the midst of the pain to get you finished. And, and so, so James, James has that kind of thinking here in a more spiritual sense, in terms of the, the broadness of life. He wants us to think of, uh, beyond life as we know it in the present. So he says in verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Patience, by definition, is in essence, connected to time. We live, you and I live in the context of time. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so the, the, the core of this appeal is living, living your life in expectation of the coming of Jesus. Where time, as we know it, where life, as we know it, will come to an end. So patience, and, and we need to see that uh, here, is not just some abstract virtue that we need to drum into our heads and, 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 and try to be patient in the midst of any kind of difficulty. No, no, no. Uh, patience, and James shows us in this passage, has a particular goal uh, in view. And uh, I'm actually going to go back on that slide. I see I've left off my uh, point this sub-point on, on, on my outline. But, 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 
Perhaps you could jot that down, that patience has a definite goal in view. There's an, there's an end to this road of suffering. There is an end to this life as we know it. And at the end of this road, for the believer, there is reward. There is something to be anticipated. There is a, a real expectation. And, and it's the greatest reward of all. All the it is the personal, visible return of Jesus if we are still alive at the time of his coming. And all that he will bring with him. And again, it's useful to turn to another scripture so that we're not merely uh, speculating, but that we are uh, basing <clears throat> our faith on that which God has given to us. 1 Peter, just the next book from James, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So being born again, becoming a believer, introduces prospect to your existence and has caused us, yes, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So if you want some proof about the reality of this living hope, look back to the historical fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And then what does he say in verse 4? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And there's a purpose there, and we won't go down that avenue today, but so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. So do you see the, the, the point that James is making? There needs to be a widening. Uh, uh, think about the future. Uh, consider that which is ahead of us as believers. And there is to be uh, revealed, given to us, uh, the completion of salvation. And again, we turn to the scriptures, and I'm going to read many scriptures tonight, a Bible study, we want to do that. Uh, and this time turning to Romans chapter 8. And, and again, it's in the context of suffering. And Paul says, therefore, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, the pain of this present time, the, the, the horror of what we experience uh, in the present time, are not worth comparing with the glory that is being that <clears throat> that is to be revealed to us. There's a future. There's prospect. There's something we look forward to that we can anticipate. And then he, he begins to explain that for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For this this world is broken. And he goes on to say that for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, but in hope uh, that, that, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And do, do you get the idea the, 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 the Include in your mind, in your thinking, in the way you have a worldview, the understanding of reality, that uh, we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In this hope, we are saved. So, do you get the idea? And I, I remember a sermon many, many years I heard 
<clears throat> of a preacher. And uh, much of the sermon, uh, he was speaking of something of the suffering and the agony that Jesus suffered uh, on Calvary on the cross. But throughout the sermon, he interspersed these descriptions of of ultimate suffering that Jesus faced uh, with the phrase, and he had a very deep voice, and, and he kept saying, uh, Sunday is coming, and Sunday is coming, and, and Sunday is coming. And, and, and the point that this preacher was trying to make, that, that even Jesus knew and anticipated that, that, that beyond the suffering, Sunday was coming, and resurrection would take place. Let's not forget that. Well, James goes on and he illustrates now the point by referring to the farmer. And uh, second point then, patience illustrated in the world around us. Verse 7, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Not everything happens instantly. Not everything happens in a single day. Our society today, we live in an instant society. We uh, go into Google, we order an article of take a lot and tomorrow somebody uh, delivers it. We, that, that's the kind of society we, we live in. And, and yet James is saying, no, no, patience, learn patience. Like the farmer, he knows that, there is a, that, that patience is a rewarding exercise. And, and so he plants his seed at the right time. He waits for the early rains, still continues to wait, knows that the seed and the fruit will not appear immediately, and then he waits for the second rains, all the right conditions, and he waits. And the point is that the harvest comes in due season, after the rain, after the growth has taken place. And so your and my journey of faith also involves growth into maturity, and there's process involved. Uh, verse 8, you also be patient. You're referring back to the farmer. Now listen to this. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. The importance of the state of your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So process, as Peter said, is also to do not only with growth, but there's also testing, there's, there's refining. Uh, we understand with gold that it is in the hottest fire that that gold is, is refined and the dross is removed and the purity of the gold is exposed. And so even <clears throat> amongst us as a, as a community of faith, uh, suffering does have the, the, the purpose of uh, eliminating counterfeit faith. And so in the midst of suffering, one's faith is really tested to see whether it is genuine or not. And so the challenge is to be ready. We must be ready for the judge. Ultimately, when Jesus returns, do not grumble against one another, verse 9, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And so the bottom line in this first major point of this passage is that Christian patience is about seasons of waiting. Seasons of waiting, not putting all our eggs in the basket of the present. Life is more than just the present moment today, the 20, whatever is it, the 25th of January 2023. Uh, uh, tomorrow, if the Lord wills, will unfold. And next year, if the Lord wills, will unfold. But there will come a day, on that day, when, when time as we know it will be brought to an end. 
And there is to be something that is beyond our imagination and even description of that which awaits for us. But then James does go on and there is a second major point in the context of suffering. He also says to us, think about the past. If you need some encouragement, as you need to press forward through the midst of difficulties, you want to go onwards, you want to go forwards to the goal of Jesus coming and all that he will bring with him. Uh, we are not left without testimony. We're not left without those who have gone before us, who can be an encouragement, who are an encouragement to us in the midst of present pain. And so past history has some value. A testimony has, has value. And we have two examples given to us over here. And I hope I have the outline now. Yes, we have the prophets. So chapter 5 verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And, and, and what James tries to show us is that the prophets have a track record of steadfastness in the midst of and and through the particular difficulty, the persecution, the hardship that they faced. We know also that Jesus, Jesus told his disciples to rejoice and be glad when they faced insults and persecutions. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 12, he then says, Because great is your reward in heaven, there's the prospect, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They faced hardship. They got through it. Only ultimately also to get the reward. On the other side of the equation we have uh, the Pharisees. And, and for them it was a mark of unbelief that they were the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Matthew twenty-three thirty-one, Acts 7 verse 52. But the prophets... These were God's spokesmen. They held a privileged position of serving God, being able to speak for God on behalf of God. They were approved by God. We, we, we must acknowledge that. They were loved by God. Very often they suffered terrible persecution. In their perseverance, they were blessed by God. You and I know different. Suffering is inevitable regardless of your state of godliness. Personal uh, note, illustration, I found on our bookshelf uh, volumes of Carol's quiet time journals from for years and years. Jamie and I were flipping through them and I thought to myself, what a godly woman. And yet suffered. But only to receive the reward of heaven. And so folks, suffering is not in vain for the believer. It's useful. We must believe the word of God. There will come a time at the completion of all things. <laughs> no more tears. No more death. When Jesus comes again. Well also not only the prophets as we look back at testimony. But also the well known person Job. Everybody knows that Job was a man who suffered. A godly man who suffered. And uh, we read in verse 11. Behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfast. You see there it is again. 
old Job hanging in there. That would be a term we would use today. Steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now Satan, Satan afflicted Job, but he did so with God setting the parameters. Job suffered severely. And he was not superhuman. We, we find that in the midst of that process, he was honest and, and, and he, he cried out to God. He protested to God. Job chapter 30 verse 20, I cried to you for help. You do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it and you toss me about in the roar of the storm. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all the living. Do, do, do you see, James, uh, Job, Job didn't pretend with a, a, a plastic smile on his face that all was well. But though he cried and he complained and he protested, he refused to turn his back on God. He, he refused to renounce God. Rather, we read again, Job chapter 19 verse 25, For I know my Redeemer lives, and that the last... He will stand upon the earth. Chapter 19 verse 26. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another did not stop believing in God. So in the midst of your pain, I want to urge you, and, and, and folk, I want to say uh, for myself, um, to stop believing in God, what would what would that do? Where where does that take you? Nowhere. Hopelessness, meaningless, uh, despair, and, and depression. No, st- don't stop believing in God. Uh, God holds us as 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 His uh, children in in the grip of His grace. We don't deserve it. Great fact about Job is, in spite of all his questioning, in spite of his agonizing doubts that tore his heart, God held him. And the evidence is that he continued to have faith in God. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. In the end, he was blessed. He was temporal reward, uh, temporal blessing. Doesn't always happen that way, but in Job's case, it did. But what does happen in every case for every believer is the spiritual blessing, which we read about earlier on at the coming of Jesus. Job chapter 42 verse 1, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Yeah, and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make known to me. I'd heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. See what happened? He, he grew in his understanding of the reality of the very nature of God. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I found this scripture to share with you, which was the experience of Job. In the difficulties, Job learned what the psalmist would later express with respect to his own experience. And, and, and I asked myself, I wonder if this is my experience. And I think it is. And I pray that it would continue to be a growing experience. Psalm 119 verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. 
to learn not only the commands of God, but the revelation of who God is as well. But I want to close with the third point and, and ask the question, and James deals with it, what about our present pain? You see the command, uh, be patient, for the Lord's coming uh, does not come in a vacuum. He doesn't tell us uh, this to just leave us feeling helpless and hopeless in the present. The Lord may come today. The Lord may only come in a hundred years' time. We, we don't know. We know that there is that day, there is the expectation, the anticipation, and certainly broaden your mind to think about that which uh, the Lord will give to us. But in the present, what does he do? And I want to do that in closing of the study today. He points us to the one who alone sustains us and intervenes in us and carries us because of the very nature of who he is. And in chapter 5 and verse 11, James uh, says so, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. That is the nature of God. He is compassionate and merciful. Now, if, if we doubt that, if you're doubting that, you look back to Calvary. Look at the incarnation where Jesus did not consider equality with God to be held on to, but takes on human flesh and undergoes a humiliating process of, 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 of uh, living a life in a body and ultimately dying the death of a criminal. Uh, why? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we need to look at the gospel. We need to see what Jesus achieved and how he achieved that. It's a demonstration of love and compassion and mercy. Ultimate expression of compassion and mercy is Jesus and his work on the cross, accomplishing salvation for sinners who deserve an eternity in hell. Now, the argument is this. If he does this great work of grace in saving sinners, won't he then also show his compassion and kindness in the things of everyday life? And this is where we need to be thinking about how God is at work in us by His Spirit in the present day of difficulty or in the present day of delight. And, and, and the reality is you will not find the strength in yourself. I don't have the strength in and of myself. And, and, and so I stand, you stand in need, the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us, the Holy Spirit of God who who leads us. We're, we're called not to grieve the Spirit, to, to walk with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, and to be conscious of the Spirit of God. And Jesus promised, Jesus promised, that He will not leave His disciples as orphans, but send another like Himself to be with Him. And so today, uh, in the midst of, of, of your own tears and pain and suffering, is to pray, Lord, in the present experience of my life, take that which I know in my head from the, the, from the word, from the truth that you've revealed, but make it a present reality and experience of my heart. To know compassion and mercy from this all-powerful and mighty God, I love uh, the Puritans in much of what they say. They just had a way with words. And the old Puritans used to speak of God as having omnipotent compassion. What do you think about that today? 
omnipotent compassion. Psalm 116 verse 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. To you, in your particular circumstances, to me. Lamentations 3 verse 20. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I recall to mind and therefore I have hope in the nature and the person of God, in the attributes of God, the perfections of God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And so, encouraging you today, won't you wait on the Lord, for the Lord, in the Lord, in Christ? May God help us. We are weak. I am weak, frail, unworthy. How marvelous the grace, how great the grace of God. So, Lord, I pray for any of my brothers and sisters who are feeling the pain of circumstances that just seem so unbearable. And so, Lord, together we stand as those who are utterly dependent on you. Won't you stir within our hearts, Lord, the greatness of the hope and expectation that we have as we wait for our coming Savior. But may we also look back and see, Lord, that your faithfulness has always proved to be true. And in the midst of today, may we know something of the presence and power of your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So just one final slide as we conclude is just some questions, if there are going to be uh, discussions, if you are meeting with some others. Uh, I do trust that your time together is special and that you would really feel something of the work of God uh, amongst you and even with you. So God bless you, be with you, and uh, let us pray for each other in the midst of our struggles. Amen.